0: going on everybody this is mike hughes and you're listening to mike on the mic i'm sitting here with previous nfl wide receiver for the chicago bears kansas city chiefs and now toronto argonaut daniel braverman daniel thank you for being on the show today it's truly an honor it was great seeing you um what have you been up to how's the covid life, or not the covid life, the quarantine life and everything
1: been for you so far yeah everything's been good i appreciate you guys you having me on here man but I've just been training now since I signed that contract to Toronto. Just been training, trying to get back into everything and and hit that dang rolling come May 16th.
0: Right, right. And, and one thing I wanted to talk to you first, I want to say congratulations on the Toronto Argonauts. Because not a lot of people understand, even though it's in Canada, this is competitive football. You got guys like um, everybody knows Last Chance You They got uh, Ronald Ali's on the defense. You got guys like uh, Martavius Bryant just signed today. People like you um who insane college stats insane you know there's so much hype around this team what was one of your biggest decisions going into signing with toronto what what really made you interested in going that path
1: yeah so last year i was really signed to calgary again i had a two-year deal so i was going to go back to calgary but covid happened and the season went down shut down so i said man what am i going to do now uh you know I didn't know how COVID was really gonna end up so I said well let me get started in my next career which was coaching right so went into coaching did some coaching in high schools at Michigan and then I came back down here to St. Thomas Aquinas I don't know if you've ever heard of them but that's like one of the biggest high schools yeah in the country yeah man we had you know numerous SEC guys and stuff like that but uh that was real fun, man, and then, then I did personal training on the side, training you know young high school receivers, you know middle school guys, just trying to teach them what I know. Right. And then, you know, as I'm coaching, I get a call from my CFL agent, hey, man, there's teams trying to trade for you. Do you think you're still interested? I said, for sure, you know, because I love coaching, but I still miss playing, you know. Right. So uh, when I found out someone wanted to trade for me, I was like, man, well, if they want me, I definitely want to go play too. So that definitely helped a lot, you know, them wanting me. So
0: Definitely. And and I just want to say, I want to give you your respect for everything so far. Um, I mean, helping these kids and being a part of that I think is so huge, not only for you but for the communities that you're helping. But I guess that leads into my next question for you. You know, we all know who you are. We all know about the Ohio State game, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but for you, what was the moment that you realized you were an NFL ready wide receiver and, and you had the talent, whether it be in high school, middle school, or whatever it was?
1: yeah I, I think after my first four games because uh, that year was Michigan State, Ohio State, uh, then Murray State, and then Georgia Southern right. and that first four games, I think I was like leading the NCAA with like fifty to sixty catches. I was, I was ahead by a good, like, 20 catches or something like that. And that's when I knew. I was like, okay, now now we on the national spotlight. Right. Um, getting that recognition I felt like I, I, I should have with the amount of numbers and stats I was putting up. So then when Urban Meyer pretty much said he's, he's an NFL receiver, um, you know, that, that's when agents started talking to me and stuff like that. And, and that's pretty much when I knew. I was like, all right, let's, let's take this thing to the NFL. You know, that was always my dream and goal. You know, right. I always trained for that, but I didn't want to put all my eggs in that basket because I didn't know I I didn't know how to, you know how to get there. All I knew was ball out. That's all I cared right. about every week. I'm trying to be the best player on the field, and let's go where let's see where the chips fall. So that's how I took it. And then after I got like, a little bit of praise, and I was like, all right, now now we got to turn it up a little bit more. Definitely, and and to talk about that and to lead into that, the
0: Ohio State game. Obviously, I had to talk to you about it. 2015 western michigan versus ohio state there's guys like michael thomas ezekiel elliott curtis samuel and others and you completely annihilated them stat wise 10 receptions 123 yards one touchdown i believe they lost the game it was like 12 to 38 but you yourself completely balled out on such a high level on primetime tv what was that like for you personally um just that feeling of knowing that wow this is a moment that like I could, potentially, I could potentially go to the uh, NFL after this because of the people that are watching this game and the magnitude that it means beating and running into someone like Ohio State's
1: defense. It's no joke. So what did that mean for you? Man, uh, it, meant, it meant a lot. It meant that the hard work that I really put in, uh, you know, showed. And it taught me a life lesson that if you put in the work, it, it'll show. It'll show, you know, everyone has a different time when they hit. But as long as you put in that work when no one's watching, it, it'll show up when people are watching. You know, no one knows when, but you just got to be ready for the opportunity. So that's what it showed me. But also, also you know, growing up in South Florida, you know, you, you, call, you, you used all these names. And the number one, I think, Marshawn Lattimore was out there, Von Bell. But to me, and I'm sure, you know, like my other receiver, we had the mentality like we didn't care who we played against. Right. You know. You know it. it you know, going up in South Florida. You know, Corey David. He was from Chicago, but we had the mentality like we don't care. You know, and right. um, that's how I felt about it. Like I didn't know. I didn't even study those DBs to be honest. I was just like I'm going to do my thing, and that's and that's what we did, man. It was it was a good game. It was fun. Definitely. And
0: you know, I also I, you know I did some research on you. I realized you were previous teammates with Amari Cooper. I just wanted to ask when you when you get like to have conversations. I don't know if you got to talk to Michael Thomas during that game or Zeke or anybody like that, but when you have these conversations with other star receivers like that or even Ezekiel Elliott, what is that like for you? What do you ask them about? Um do you just focus on your game or do you ask advice? Do you have like questions for them?
1: No, um usually like the I'll say, you know, cuz I don't get it's not like being a starstruck or anything like that cuz they're athletes right. just um just different positions and all that, different opportunities and stuff like that. But, like, I like to ask guys, you know, releases and stuff like that because um, everyone has a different type of toolbox for releases. So when I talk to receivers, it's more about releases. Um, other position guys, not so much, just more just crediting their game and, hey, you, you fun to watch, good stuff out there. That's really it. Um, but I remember, like, when I was with the Bears, I had Eddie Royal on my team. And man, he was he was great. Uh, we we practiced against the Patriots. I'd ask Edelman what what releases he does, and what releases. Um, it's really I really like to study the game and just study study releases, study how to get open and stuff like that. So that was the main thing when I when I see another guy who plays my position and stuff like that. Even if he's not in the NFL, he could be in college still. I'll still like to see what he does because everyone brings a different little package. Right. So, and receiver, man, it's all about who has the most tools. You know, you got to bring up – the, you got to have the most tools and the most way outs, you know, the most escape routes. So, that's that's really it.
0: Yeah, and, and you brought up the Chicago Bears. I wanted to ask you, you're drafted in 2016 in the seventh round um, – First, I want to ask you about the draft. What is that like? What is it like? You know, everyone always talks about the first round. Everybody's there. They're all getting pictures with the commissioner. And, and you know, that's all funny and everything. But for you personally, what is it like for you waiting for that call? Um, are you anxious? Are you excited? Do you have questions? Like, are you questioning it? What What, what goes into that process? And further, I kind of just wanted to talk about it because they really don't show it. You know, usually you get the phone call um how is that like for you what is it like being drafted like that um do you get a phone call do you get to talk to you know uh john fox and and uh, george mccaskey and others
1: yeah so the draft for me was kind of stressful because i mean i knew i wasn't a first round guy uh i knew i wasn't a second round guy um but after that from three to seven i knew there was a possibility again talks from you know three four five six seven um and it was kind of stressful because I did leave early. So I was like, damn, I, I, I got to get drafted, though. So right. that was a little bit stressful. And then falling to the, the end of the day, you know, I started getting some free agent calls from other teams like the Cowboys, the Bills, uh, Falcons. And while the ticker's still going, so I'm like, damn, well, I guess I might be a free agent. And then, then they called, and I spoke with John Fox to talk to Pace. And when you got drafted, it's definitely a relief. It's like, all right, I got a home now. You know, now you can, you know, you can breathe for a second, but you also know that, all right, now is real time to step up again. Um, And I was just with my friends, my agent, my family, nothing big, because I didn't know when I was going to get picked. So I just kept it low key. And, you know, we went out that night. It was a good night, but that's it. You know, nothing crazy. Just, you know, good times, man. Definitely.
0: And to be drafted to the Chicago Bears, you know, we don't have a history of championships, but we have a history of a fan base. You have a history of the culture that they bring, the monsters of the midway. What is that like for you? I believe you were 22 years old when you were drafted. You know, you're so young and you're going into this huge, this huge picture of like what the Chicago Bears organization means, what it represents, what the fans expect. I know you being a part of the Chicago Bears, you obviously saw it. People are... It gets a little nasty sometimes. I'm a big Bears fan, but I'm going to be honest. The way they treat some of the fans, um, or not the fans, the players, it gets a little rough. Um, For you, what did it mean joining the Bears organization? Were you nervous, or was it just like, wow, I'm a part of a huge
1: organization? Um, In the beginning, it was like, wow, it's the Chicago Bears. And then, like, as I was going through it, I don't think it really hit me how big it really was, you know? I, I I still don't think I realized how big it was until like two years later or a year and a half later, because I think I was just so caught up in the moment that I didn't take time to see the whole picture, and that's that's definitely something I could you know fix on, but I don't think I really captured how big it was. I knew it was big. I'm like, damn, it's Chicago Bears is legendary, you know, football team, legendary organization. You know, we had to, we practiced in the Walter Payton Center. You know, so that that right. kind of like shook me too. So, um, just being blessed, man. Just being totally blessed, man. It's, you know, I was a small kid in South Florida playing optimist. You know, little league football, and and you grow up in South Florida, you got five stars everywhere. Five stars, four oh, stars. Oh, definitely. I mean, my my high school team had about like fifteen to twenty D one players you know, in between two classes, so it was, it wasn't, you know, I didn't even expect to really even be in that position, you know, like, out of the four receivers on my high school team, I was the smallest school receiver, you know, and I was putting up numbers, and and so we all were, so, like, everything to me was more of a blessing, and even at Western Michigan, I didn't even realize how big Western Michigan, Kalamazoo was to that city, so, uh, it was crazy, man. Just, just seeing now, especially now, seeing how deep it is, how deep the the fan base runs. It's, it's awesome, though. It's really cool.
0: Right, and I still see. Um, and, and you might believe it or you might not. You still sometimes see Daniel Braverman jerseys. You still see um, a lot of people talking about you. And you were here for a very short time, but Chicago fans always remember. A big like losing you for me. It was like one of those things where, um, sorry, my contact keeps moving. I don't know why. Um, sorry. It's one of those things where I just didn't understand the move. And, and you look at the receiving court right now, um, not to be disrespectful, I don't know if you followed the games this year, but we had guys in fist fights getting suspended, and I go Daniel Braverman would have taken complete control of all the opportunities given um, while losing guys like that. Um, yeah. T- so to ask you, you mentioned Eddie Royal, you mentioned others. I'm going to ask you the Jay Cutler question I want to ask. Was there a relationship there? Did you talk to anybody, you know, not specifically Jay, but um, you mentioned Eddie. Who did you grow a bond with? Who was someone that you thought was interesting? Um, And what did you feel about the culture in the locker room? Because this around this time um, was kind of the fall of that era. There was the fall of the Cutler era, the John Fox era. Did it feel toxic to you um, by any means? And and did it feel like, you know, that it wasn't really a family? Because it was like, that was the last year. After that year, um, that's why I wish they gave you a little bit more time. You know, Matt Nagy got brought in and others as well. Um,
1: yeah, I I thought offense for me, huh? That would have been the good offense with Nagy. See, I came in and we was, we were running three tight end sets and we would have like five tight ends active, like three fullbacks active. And it was just like, you know, obviously I came from a spread offense. So it was a little bit of a different type of play style for me. Um, that was one thing, and then then when Eddie went down, and I had to catch in Detroit Lions, I thought I'd get some more PT after that. Uh, they kind of you know shut me down after that. You know I'm a player where if you utilize me, I'll put up numbers for you. But you got to know how to utilize me. And, and the right. year out there was more. I mean I think we had like five quarterbacks, three, four quarterbacks that year. No, I love I love Matt Barkley. I thought he was that he was uh, really good. Uh, Hoyer was a great intermediate to short pass game guy honestly he was a smart but you have to build you know rapport with these guys you know and um our offense wasn't really of a spread vertical passing attack right you know jordan howard was the beast and he was killing it and you know i love jordan howard bro he's a beast and uh still talk to him he's a great guy um but the offense wasn't the most fitted for me and that's what, that's just what it was but uh the guys off the field man Eddie was a good guy Eddie was a good mentor uh Cam Meredith uh Alshon uh you know Kyle Long uh, like I said Barkley you know those guys you know you, you kind of stay in your position group and then you know I was on P squad so my own problem was I was frustrated with my own situation instead of right. just accepting it and taking advantage of the opportunity and all that stuff and just being you know i because i felt like i wanted to play i should play and and that maybe that's my own thing but so that that was it man you know and and the pace was definitely a guy who was bringing a team bonding around when i first got there it didn't feel like hey we're this is a championship team you know we're right. going to nothing like the first day pj Flick, you know got into West Michigan, he's like, we're winning the national championship. Now that's you know crazy to say national championship, but at least our standards was a championship standard. Felt like when I first got there it was kind of like, you know, a different standard. Oh, let me give a shout out to Zach Miller, Cravon LeBlanc, Bellamy, Deontay Thompson, uh Dion Bush, DHC, DeAndre Hall, you know, those other guys. Amos, yeah. Right. Uh no, but going against those guys too, Bryce Callahan, LeBlanc, those were good guys to go against, but um, yeah, man, all that stuff, I got lost.
0: (laughs) Right, and it's one of those things, and you brought up an amazing point, Jordan Howard was the Chicago Bears offense in 2016, and it really felt like, and it's no disrespect to Jordan, but this is exactly how it went, it was run, run, short pass, punt, and that was literally the entire offense of the 2016 Bears. If I saw you, you know, I and, and when you went to Kansas City for a short time, I thought, all right, this is going to be something special as well. Um, because with Andy Reid, but, you know, those opportunities,
1: you know, it all it all comes
0: down to opportunities.
1: What KC, what KC was, they had, you know, Ty, you already got Tyree. They signed Sammy. And they had um, Demarcus Robinson, who was a draft pick. They had Chris Conley, who was a senior leader, you know, fifth-year guy. Um, and then you had... Uh, the Anthony Thomas, you know, so it would look weird for for Braverman to just take the Anthony Thomas spot and he took a pay cut in that camp. You know, me battling that he took that he took a little pay cut. I also did get hurt. I pulled my I strained my groin, missed like a week. Can't miss a week in camp. Um and then for the practice squad spot it was Garrett Dieter who was Mahomes best friend, you know. He's a great guy, great guy, dude. He he wears right. his butt. He definitely works his butt off he, he, You know, he deserves that spot I'm not trying to talk down But he was the P-Squad guy He and Mahomes had a great relationship And then it was uh, Marcus Kemp Who was like He's a good player too, man He's a great special teams guy They have him on special teams So that 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 room was pretty filled up But man, that was one of my most fun Springs and fall camps ever Because I was doing a bunch of jet sweeps, man It was a really good offense right, And Andy Reid is a real cool guy
0: and I wanted to ask you, like, did you grow, you you mentioned that Patrick Mahomes is a great guy. I mean, did you grow a relationship with him? Did you have any conversations with him? Uh, what, what was that like?
1: Yeah, it was just normal, normal conversations. You know, I, I was the new guy in the group. Like, the whole group right. was already there already a whole season. So, I was the only new guy walking in. So, it was just normal football conversations, like, on the field, in the meeting room, stuff like that, um... He was actually when I first got there on P Squad, he was the P Squad quarterback. So we had like a couple of nice plays and stuff like that, and it was all good, man. It was, it was fun. That's a good group of guys. They definitely, and they're very a very tight knit group. So right. that receiver room is very tight knit.
0: And you know, I, I know you don't. You might not want to answer this question. If you're not fine with that, that's totally fine. I wanted to ask you right now. The goal, Toronto. You're going to Toronto. You're going to ball out. You're going to do your thing that we all know you're going to do. But what is the end goal for Daniel Braverman? This is my last question for you. Is the goal coming back to the NFL eventually? Or is it just writing it out? You know, you could go back
1: to coaching. You're just going to go as far as you can go with this. I'm definitely going to go as far as I can go. I'm going to go until they say you can't go no more. Um, because I feel like it would almost be a disservice if I didn't. Uh, to myself and to God and to my family so I'm gonna just go until like, they say I can't because I feel like I'm gonna be successful in, in my next endeavor so I think I'm gonna just use my physical abilities as much as I can you know because I was just last year when I told I told all my guys I'm done I'm hanging it up you right. know I took like six seven months off and then I started training again and all the guys I train with you are NFL guys. Uh, Sky Moore plays for the Colts. Shard Matthews. I think you'll hear about Sky Moore soon. So I think he's a sleeper. But uh, oh, most definitely. Um, and the coaches—they're like, "Man, you sure you want to go? like you're you you know?" Sorry, my battery's at ten percent now. They're like, nah, "You wanna sure not- go get Fine and stuff like that." So uh, it had me in the thoughts, you know, and then then when I went coach at St. Thomas, I'd race these kids, and I'd be beating them, and, and I just felt like I still had it. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm right. still too quick to really just let it go right now. I feel like I'll be like, dang, why did I let it go? Especially, like, Toronto. Toronto's lit. So it's going to be a fun city. You know, you just get to play ball. Like, who cares? You know what I'm saying? You just get to right. play it's ball. It's just whatever you got to do, you know? Yeah, and me, I like to be the best at anything I do. So I don't like not tr- even trying to be the best. So I know there's spots at, at receiver in Toronto. I know there's a the receivers that do well. So I want to be in that top group. I'm trying to get in that top five, top 10 of the CFL and then whatever happens from there, what happens from there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But well, thank you
0: for being a guest on the show today, Daniel. I wish you nothing but the best in Toronto. I'm hoping to get a Jersey, not, not from you, but I'm hoping to order one. Um, I hope to see you back in the NFL one day. Whatever happens with you, um, I wish you nothing but the best, brother. It was amazing talking to you today.
1: Appreciate it, man. Yeah, and uh, good luck to all this stuff. I'll definitely be tuning in, man. Thank you. Thank you,
0: man.